from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, October 11th, 2016. Today's show presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Get a free quote for your customized apparel right now by calling 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Send them an email, beantownathletics at gmail.com or visit their website, beantownathletics.com. And oh yeah, hockey season has begun, so bring your skates into Beantown Athletics for the best skate shopping you will find in New England. And um, there seems to be a little controversy as to how much the David Ortiz t-shirts are selling for here at Beantown Athletics. I don't know if you've, if you've seen them, but you should swing by the shop or at least go on Beantown Athletics Instagram. They got them on there. Uh, the Big Poppy Farewell Tour t-shirt that they've been selling all season long. Uh, they're selling like hotcakes, you know, during the, the final days of this farewell tour. And I'm going to talk about how David Ortiz's career is now over. But since it is now over, and the tears have not stopped coming down my face, because as long as David Ortiz cries, I cry. That's, that's the way this thing works. But I'm going to set a price tag on the Big Poppy t-shirts at Beantown Athletics. I'm going to say that they're... Pete, what were they going for before I'm about to set the price on them? 20 bucks. They were going for 20? Yep. Solid I'm 20. cutting it in half. What? I'm cutting it in half. I think it should go up. No, 10 bucks. Oh. 10 bucks. $10. The David Ortiz t-shirts inside of B-Town Athletics are $10. Because I know that you're going to want this t-shirt, okay? It's the best David Ortiz t-shirt out there. And and you should, right now, go to BeantownAthletics.com, give them a call, send them an email, come into the shop on Granite Ave, $10. Hurry up, there's only a couple left. There's only a couple left. Wow, what a night. What a weekend. I mean, where do I begin? Do I begin with the Red Sox getting swept and David Ortiz's career coming to an end? Or do I begin with the positive, which is Tom Brady returns and throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns, and the Patriots whoop the Cleveland Browns 33-13, to and they cover the 11-point spread that I told you they would. Look, I'll get to my picks. Not a good week again. Bad week. Bad week for the picks. Ba- another bad week for picks picks. But I will bounce back. I didn't, yeah, I didn't go winless like the Red Sox in the AL fucking DS, but I did. You know, I get the Patriots one right, but it was, it was, not, it was not a good week. I'll get to my picks. I'll get to NFL Week 5. I'll get to the Tom Brady stuff. But if you know me, you know I'm all about that postseason baseball life. Okay? I am. I'm all about it. And as of right now, let's just check out, let's just check out what this looks like, what the postseason brackets look like, if you will. In the American League, look, the Indians sweep the Red Sox. They come into Fenway last night, and they win. Coco fucking crisp in the sixth. Like, I cannot believe that Coco Crisp is the guy that takes the hack that puts one out of Drew Pomeranz in the sixth last night on a breaking ball that I think I would have put in the monster seats that was just up, hanging, meatball city. Coco Crisp finishes the Red Sox off with a two-run home run in the sixth inning last night. Can't believe it was him to do it. That's pathetic. But the Red Sox get swept by the Indians, so Cleveland moves on to the ALCS. Who's their opponent? Well... It's the team that I told you would win the World Series before the playoffs began, before the wildcard games began, which is a risky pick. Because for me to do my Major League Baseball postseason predictions and tell you that one of the wildcard teams would go on to win the World Series, I mean, 
All they got to do is lose the wild card game. My predictions are just shit. But the Blue Jays won the wild card game. And here they are now going to the ALCS because Toronto sweeps the Texas Rangers. They go into Texas. They whoop the Rangers in the first two games, or at least in, you know, in game one. I mean, I was, you know, Blue Jays, look, the Blue Jays can mash. We know that. Uh, they can also pitch. They didn't get the best pitching performance out of Sanchez in this series, but they still go on to win game three at home, and the Blue Jays sweep Texas. So it's Toronto and Cleveland in the ALCS, and I don't think the Indians have a chance. I don't. I think the Blue Jays are going to roll. I think they're by far and away the best team in the American League. They're the most dangerous team in the in all of baseball, I think, as long as they have a pulse. And people keep coming to me going, well, what about the Cubs? Are you really not concerned about the Cubs? Well, first things first. I'm concerned about the American League before anything. But if you do want me to get to the National League, well, I picked the Cubs to actually get to the World Series to lose to Toronto. And I'm sticking with it. Now, Seeing how the American League is playing out, we got Toronto and Cleveland advancing. In the National League, the divisional series is still going on. We are going to have a game four between the Cubs and the Giants in San Fran because San Francisco walked it off in extra innings last night after Araldis Chapman blew a save for the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs had a chance to sweep. So now the Cubs have a 2-1 series lead. The Giants force a game four. That game is going to be, well, we're recording this show on Tuesday today because of the holiday yesterday. Usually it's Mondays and Fridays. Today, because of the holiday yesterday, this is a Tuesday edition, a rare Tuesday edition. But that game's tonight. So Tuesday night, game four. I mean, look, John Lackey's on the mound for the Cubs. And I think I'm going to put my money on John Lackey. I think that's where I'm going with this. I think the Cubs win it in four. Uh, And then what you'll get after that, is, or at least before that, at 5 o'clock tonight, Washington is in L.A. for Game 4. Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch for the Dodgers. I believe this is on short rest. I have not watched much of this series. It's probably the series that I have watched the least amount of, uh, but the Dodgers, a team that I picked to win this series against Washington, Dodgers are losing this series two games to one. So the Nationals have a two games to one series lead. Uh, game number four is today. So you still got the divisional series in the National League. With Kershaw going in game four, I wouldn't say that the Dodgers are uh, out of this. I think that it's very possible they force a game five, that one back in D.C. But uh, whatever happens in these two series, I'll obviously react later in the week. But the series that we know are complete, you know, Toronto moving on and Cleveland moving on, it gets back to sort of the local perspective here. And a local perspective is that seeing the Red Sox not just lose this series but get swept is pathetic because this is a Cleveland Indians team that is without two of their best starting pitches. And the scariest thing about this series is Cleveland loses two of their best starting pitches and pitching was still the difference in this series. You can talk all you want about the Red Sox getting shut out in game two. 6-0 in Cleveland. You can talk all you want about the Red Sox last night in this must-win game three, only scoring three runs. But here's the deal. The Red Sox' best starting pitches, Rick Porcello and David Price, completely shit the bed. And then a guy that they went out who was an all-star this year and that they acquired, who was supposed to be the game three starter, He didn't start because basically his arm fell off at the end of the regular season in Drew Pomerantz. And you have Pomerantz coming out of the pen. 
You're relying on Clay fucking Buckholtz in game three and a must win. Are you kidding me? So you got to go to Pomeranz, and he throws this curveball to Coco Crisp that's like, you would think Pomeranz had money on Cleveland with that pitch. Honestly, there should be an investigation with that pitch to Coco Crisp. So people are worked up about how the Red Sox offense didn't show up because they got shut out. Well, first of all, they got shut out in game two because Corey Kluber is an ace, and he pitched like an ace, and he pitched like we wanted David Price to pitch, and he pitched like we wanted Rick Porcello to pitch, and they didn't. They didn't. That's the difference to me. Game one, game one's the most frustrating game because Porcello only gave you four and a third. He allowed five runs. He allowed three solo home runs in the third inning of game one on the road. This is coming right after Andrew Benatendi, kids in diapers, hits a solo home run, gives the Red Sox a lead. Granted, what was it, two to one at that point? Gave him a lead? Doesn't matter. You have your ace on the mound. You have this, I think, who's the American League Cy Young Award winner on the mound. You got to win that game 2-1 and say to yourself, oh, 3-1, tack on another run. You can't let up three solo home runs. You're not going to win that game in the playoffs. You should have been up 1-0 in this series going to game two. And if Price should have been in game two, then you tip your cap to Corey Kluber. And you say, all right, series tied at one, you come back to Boston. And if you lose this one last night because you're relying on Buckholtz or Pomeranz, and Coco Chris beats you, then at least you got a game four. At least you're going game four. And at that point, you're saying to yourself, we're going with either Eduardo Rodriguez or Rick Porcello. And, you know, with the rain out, you know, you had an opportunity, actually, to pitch Porcello on short rest in game three, but you saved him for a potential game four. But if you win game one, if Porcello shows up in game one, guess what? Porcello's pitching game four. And he's your guy. And it's at home. And he's been even dominant at Fenway. And you give yourself a shot. But Porcello didn't give him a shot. David Price didn't give him a shot. That's what this thing comes down to. That's what it comes down to. And, yeah, are there things that happen with the Red Sox offense that's frustrating given how good they were in the regular season? Of course. But, I mean, if you're rolling out of bed today upset with the Red Sox offense, then you've never watched postseason baseball in your life. Last night, this game is 2-1 to one after a Benatendi RBI double. You end up getting a couple more runs. You should have won this game last night 3-2. to two. But you gave up a two-run home run to Coco Crisp in the sixth inning, and it was a difference in the game. You, that cannot happen. You cannot win postseason baseball if you can't pitch and you can't minimize the damage. And the Red Sox pitching staff... The best pitches that they had. When you made that trade for Pomeranz, what did you say? Who's one, two, three in a playoff series? Who's one, two, three? Porcello, Price, Pomeranz. Those three guys blew it for him. Those three guys absolutely blew it for him. You need, if you can't pitch in the postseason, you will not win. And what's the most frustrating part about that? is that Cleveland was without two of its best starting pitches in Carrasco and Salazar. And yet, the Red Sox got outpitched. And you could say what you want about the offense struggling in this series, okay, but they still ran up against an ace in game two, and they had a chance to win game one. Look, you got to be able to win a 3-1 game. you got to be able to win a 3-2 game in the postseason. 
You know how you do that? You do that with dominant pitching. And if you don't have that, you won't win. You won't. You won't. I know I tell you that Toronto Masters, but guess what? The Blue Jays are going to run into situations against the Indians in which they're going to have to win a 3-1 game or a 3-2 game. But I think Toronto is the pitching to be able to do that. The Red Sox don't. They just proved it to you. They got swept. They got swept. And now you got to watch David Ortiz walk out to Fenway on the field last night after this game, tipping his cat, tipping his cap, crying. I mean, when David Ortiz cries, I cry. Okay? Like, when he cries, I cry. Tears. Down the face last night. Down the face. Pete? Welcome to the show. Uh, sorry, I'm bringing you in a little late. Just, just fight up. Um, you were there last night. I was not there. I was. I was. I was not there. It was emotional. Um, where were you sitting for this we when the, David Ortiz came back out? We were in the State Street Pavilion, third base side, great view, front row, leaning over. Oh, man, it was tough. Um, it was a tough one. I'm still, what, I'm still hurt. Were the, were the cameramen as annoying to you in person as they were to me Watching on TV? Absolutely. Let the man breathe. What I, I want to know is, why would you let? Why are we letting cameramen out surrounding him on the mound? Can David Ortiz have five fucking minutes on the field by himself? His career's over. He never gets to do this again. You think he wants to be surrounded by, you know, a circle jerk, a cameraman out there? No, he doesn't. Give him some fucking space. Like, I understand that you want the shot. You want the footage. You want the video. Okay. Go get, you get the video. But can you let him out there for five minutes by himself? People in the front row probably couldn't even see him. Right? They probably couldn't even see. They probably, like, they felt like they were standing at the front row at the Winter Classic. Like, what's going on? Where's the puck? Like, you can't see it. You couldn't see David Ortiz. There's cameramen surrounding him. I get it's a big moment. Everyone wants the big shot, but come on. You, you can't line up on the first baseline and get the shot? Line up on the baselines. You got to huddle around them? Like, what are we doing? How do they even allow that to happen? How does David Ortiz not get to run out in the field at Fenway after that game in tears? And how does he not get a, get a little, little air to breathe there? I don't understand. They're around him the whole post game in front of his locker probably. Let the guy breathe. Let the do. Let the fans t- get to take this in. I don't know. I just thought it took away from it. Did Pete? Did you get the same feeling? Didn't it take it take away from the moment a little bit? It did, and everybody everybody who we were with was saying the same thing. So like, you I don't the only one. Uh, I, I hope I'm not the only one. It was it was embarrassing, and you know what? I I don't even know that I sit here and blame it on the cameraman, because they're doing a job. They got a job to do. Like if they see one camera guy go out, the other guy's got to go. He's not going to let the other guy beat him. But that's on, that's on, like, media relations or some shit. I mean, get that under control. Say, no, 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 no. Hey, listen, everybody backs up. Nobody comes on the field right now, okay? That's not, that's not what we're going to do. And maybe if there was just one moment, maybe, maybe they wouldn't do I don't know. Maybe they just line up on the first baseline. It just it, it annoyed me, and it annoys me to no end. I see that footage. I see people's videos on Twitter, and I see David Ortiz just surrounded, like, on the mound. I remember when Jeter was done at, at Yankee Stadium, that final game. Didn't he come out after the game? I know it was right after the game. He had the walk-off hit. But he came out like he had his moment, right? Like, 
they didn't huddle around him in, uh, at the pitcher's mound. Man, I just it took, a, it took away from the moment for me. Like, give the guy some space to breathe. Like, let him, this is the last time he gets to go out in the field. Let him go out in the field. I mean, what's, so, what's so difficult about that? Just a fucking annoying. Leave the fucking guy alone, would you? Bunch of fucking idiots. God. Sorry. The big poppy's done. He's done. It's over. You know when it's going to hit me? You know when it's going to hit me? Opening day next year. Like, where's the, where the fuck's Big Poppy? Where's David Ortiz? Why is it? Farrell's not putting David Ortiz in the lineup on opening day? Against the righty? Oh, he's done. That's right. He retired. This sucks. What am I going to do now? What are we going to do now? You ever think about that? Like, what happens now? What, are we going to sign Edwin Encarnacion? To a monster contract? Look, look, there's a time and a place for free agency discussions and postseason moves. Uh, I just, right now is not the time and a place. This is still fresh. The tears have still not dried off my t-shirt. And, um, you know, with it, it's still, it's not, when it hits me, it's going to hit me hard, but it hasn't really hit me yet. But could you give the guy some space on the field when he goes out? I mean, what is going on there? I don't, it's just, just pisses me off. But, um, anyways, so yeah, that's what we got with the Red Sox. And when David Ortiz is gone, it's, it's just, when it hits you, when it hits me, it's going to be another sad day. All right, it's a sad day today. It's going to be even worse when that day comes on opening day next year. Now, well, I mentioned John Farrell. Will he even be the manager? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. For anybody who wants to put anything on John Farrell, have, have there been questionable moves? Yes. Did he lose them this series? Absolutely not. No. How did he lose them this series? Did I agree with Benatendi getting taken out of the game last night? No, I didn't. But guess what? I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a nice at-bat in the ninth inning. So, and, and that, I mean, that would be the guy that you wanted to, to take out instead of Benatendi earlier on in the game against Miller, right? Uh, so, I mean, it's just, I don't think Farrell cost them this series, and people will point to the end of the regular season, and I think that is just, that's people who, who didn't even watch. I, I really believe that. They did not watch what was going on at the end of the regular, regular season. People who say to the Red Sox, what did they do? They, they tried to lose? No, they didn't. They tried to win. They played one of the best teams, most dangerous teams in baseball, in the Toronto Blue Jays, okay? That's what they did. And here are the Blue Jays now. What happens if they go on and win the World Series? You're going to look back losing two of three to the eventual world champs and say, oh, the Red Sox, they didn't try to win. They tried to win. Watch the games. See who pitched for Toronto. See how hungry they were. So don't give me that bullshit. But I don't care where the first two games are played. Porcello and Price, you can't convince me that their pitching in the postseason would have been any different. And that's the biggest issue, pitching. The Red Sox can't pitch. And it was my biggest fear since day one. It was my biggest fear leading into the trade deadline. When I said I would give up the top prospects to get a stud starting pitcher in here. And they didn't do it. And it's still my biggest fear. Where's this Red Sox team going to go? What? You're going to... Here's one thing I don't want to see. And again, I know there's plenty of time for for off-season stuff and, you know, GM meetings and owners meetings in the winter. But here's my one piece of advice for the Boston Red Sox this off-season. 
if you even think about holding on to Clay Buckholz because he had one solid month in September of 2016, then you are going to not make the playoffs next year. If that is your mindset heading into this, this offseason. Okay, you need to you need to part ways with Buck Colts, and in my opinion, take all the positives that you saw in the final month, package that with something else, and create something to get something for for him. Get something for that final month. Don't rely on Buck Colts now as as a possible top of the rotation guy. I'm sorry, don't do you can't do that. And in fact, as I sit here right now, and I I talk about pitching and how much it sucked. And I talk about David Price. We got the David Price bobblehead staring me in the face right here in front of me in the Beantown Athletic Studio. Him and his dog, Astro. Can we not have to, why do we have the dog in the fucking bobblehead? Like, come on. David Price. Sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't take it out in the bobblehead. There's some questionable bobbleheads. There are questionable yeah. ones in there. The pet like, brock. The pet brock with the fake grass. They don't even, it's not just like a pet brock. I just like what are we doing? Just rhyming names and seeing what it rhymes with, and then we'll come up with the we'll come up with the bobble. It's not a bobblehead. It's a bobble rock. It's a pet brock. It's got fake grass. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why is it on this desk? Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Get it out. Like, where's Joey T-shirts? What was Joey T-shirts doing last night when David Ortiz came out to the mound? Was he on Instagram looking at little Dorchester girls? Is that what he was doing? You probably didn't even know what shit was going on. Get him in here and get this pet brock out of the fucking studio. And while he's at it, tell him to take Dave, try to, you know, rip David Price's dog off the bobblehead. And Napoli, not Mike Napoli, right next to him on the bobblehead, right next to him. Mike Napoli bobblehead. He's running around. He's tweeting about daisies last night. Daisies isn't open. Why isn't daisies open? Speaking of daisies, you know why I don't like Cocoa Crisp on top? Of the two-run home run he hit last night. I, I do a pretty good Coco Crisp impersonation. It's all right, right? I get the, You're pretty good with bass I get, dances. I get the fingers You're going. I get the chin over the shoulder. I get the, you know, the motions down. I get, I get the motions down. Yeah, Coco's in daisies. A couple years back, a couple years back. I'm like, hey, Coco, look at that. Hey, hey. Giving him the, the stance, you know what I mean? It's something I, I always do when I see him. Some guys like, you know, they say, oh, that, that's my stance. That's funny. It's funny. Laugh. I do a good Coco Crisp impersonation. He didn't like it. So I'm basically, all right, fuck you. I think it's pretty good. You want to be an asshole? Be an asshole. And then he hits a two-run home run last night. You're going to let Coco Crisp end your season. You're going to let Coco Crisp end David Ortiz's career. And then you're going to surround the guy at, at the pitcher's mound. Man, it's over. I can't believe it's. I can't believe it's over. I can't believe David Ortiz's career is over. But um, anyways, back to the bobbleheads and the David Price one that's in front of me, and back to real life. David Price, dead serious. This I don't. I don't mean to make this like overreact. I don't mean to make this overreaction Tuesday. Like you know, like I don't do that. Like I use common sense. I like to sleep on it. I like to take, take a couple deep breaths. I like to be somewhat logical when it comes to reaction to, to things that, that go on on the field, on the ice, on the court, off the court, off the field, off the ice, you name it. But David Price, 
his demeanor, the things he said at the end of the regular season, the way he reacted, the way he was asked about his postseason record after game two, and yet he had his postseason numbers in his back pocket ready to give him out. The question was asked after he sucked in game two and couldn't minimize the damage and let up a three-run home run to Chisenhall, which was a just a, a rip job down the right field line. After the game, he's asked about his postseason record. Oh, he was asked, I, I'm paraphrasing, oh, David, what, what about, you know, the pressure now where you haven't won, you know, in the postseason? And, and you know what his, his answer was real quick? He said, well, no, I have two postseason wins. That's what he said. David Price had his postseason stats in his back pocket after that game ready to go. You know what that tells me? That tells me he is as insecure as you could possibly be especially about his postseason career, and that the pressure is building and building to the point of possibly no return. I do believe that you can overcome postseason struggles. Just ask Clayton Kershaw. I use that example all the time. He's done it. Kershaw's been able to do it. He did it last year when he sucked in the postseason for like five years, okay? But there was a lot less pressure in L.A., isn't there, than there is in Boston? Of course there is. Don't give me the attendance numbers in L.A. It's different. You're in L.A. You're on the West Coast. It's just a different beast. David Price is not just trying to overcome postseason pressure. He's trying to overcome postseason pressure in a city where there is as much pressure as there ever could be. Anywhere else in the world. And some of the things that he said at the end of the regular season... Some of the things he said in the postseason, like after this one, after game two, has his postseason stats in his back pocket ready to go? After he let, goes three and a third? Three and a third? You're ready to tell us you got two postseason wins as a fucking reliever? That tells me you are as insecure as you could possibly be about your postseason career and that you are feeling the pressure. And you know what? That pressure's not going anywhere until he goes out and succeeds. And you know what? I'm not so sure he can. Given, given, not even given the stuff that he has on the mound, just given his reaction to it all after. I'm just not sure he has the mind. I'm I'm just not sure he has it. And, you know, you find out a lot about certain guys, even after they struggle, to the point where you might be willing to say, hey, it still could come. It still could happen. I understand that. Maybe they get back next year. But you got to get back next year. It's a tough thing to do. Make the playoffs in Major League Baseball is a tough thing to do, especially when you lose the guy who I think is the American League MVP and is the most valuable player in all of baseball and big poppy David Ortiz. Okay? Okay? And if you think that Rick Porcello is going to show up next year and give you what he gave you this year, well, I just, I'm not so sure about that. So there's no guarantee the Red Sox get back to the postseason because I think they're still going to have major issues with their pitching. And maybe the biggest issue is their pitching if they do get to the postseason. And David Price and the pressure that is just going to continue to build and build, and I'm just not sure he's going to be able to ever handle it. I'm just, I I just don't think he will. So what do you do? And people say, well, he's going to opt out after the third year. No, he's not. David David Price is going to opt out? Why? He's getting paid $30 million a season? He's going to suck and opt out? Well, he's going to get more? He's not opting out of anything. He's here for seven years. 
David Price is here for seven years, whether you like it or not. Unless you find someone else to, you know, take him on. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they give him another shot. Uh, but I think maybe we're talking about the same thing next year at this time. Same thing next year at this time. And I don't mean for that to be an overreaction. That's me listening to him talk and seeing how he reacts to certain stuff. Recent. I just, it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, after that game against the Yankees at the end of the season, he said after the game that he's not going to be great every night, like a week and a half before the playoffs began. What type of comment is that? You might have been able to get away with that comment in other cities. You, you can't do that here. Not here. Can't happen here. At least if you say that, then you need to be great the next time out. And you need to be great in your first postseason game with this team. And you weren't. You went three and a third. Okay? Three and a third. You look at some of the big-time performances from some of the big-name pitchers in this postseason so far. Lester, Cueto. You saw Kershaw minimize the damage the first game he pitched. Um... You saw Corey Kluber against the Red Sox. Aces, dominating. What did David Price do? He's paid like an ace. Did he dominate? No, wasn't even close. But the most frustrating part about it all is his demeanor after some of these games. Is the fact that he had his postseason stats in his back pocket ready to dish him out to the media and all of baseball and all of Boston because he's insecure about it. Because he knows he sucks in the postseason. And... He's overthinking it, and he's feeling the pressure. And it might just be too much for him. The pressure of needing to win in the postseason and also now needing to do it in a city like Boston where there is more pressure than anywhere else in the world, especially when it comes to the Boston Red Sox. So um, that's how I'm going to evaluate this thing early on. You know, you're going you're gonna to hear the nutbags calling. I'm going to be on WEI tonight on this Tuesday night, 6 to 10 p.m. And you're going to hear them calling in. They're going to want to fire Farrell. They're going to be talking about how the young kids in the offense shit their pants. They couldn't show up. And you know what? You might be true about the young kids possibly shitting their pants, but you still could have won game one. And you still should have had a shot to win game three last night. But you couldn't pitch. When it counted, you couldn't pitch. And when it counts, is in the postseason. And if you can't pitch in the postseason, you will not win. I don't care who your manager is. I don't care how good your offense was in the regular season. I don't care how much young kids shit their pants in the lineup. You won't win if you can't pitch. It's simple. Don't make it complicated. And the Red Sox best pitches could not pitch for their lives. And that's why David Ortiz's career is now over. Okay? You know who should have pitched for the Red Sox? Tom Brady. That's who should have pitched for the Red Sox. Tom Brady. 400 yards. Can we go to something positive? I got to get out. I got to get away from baseball. I just get. I, and I got all these Red Sox bobbleheads in front of me right now. About to swipe them all off the fucking desk. Especially the pet Brock. What? what? Look. I understand. I, I get it. The marketing stuff. You know, I, I understand it. Completely. But why the pet Brock? Pete, do you have an answer to that? I know you get some inside scoop. I have no idea. Pet Brock? Sorry. Like, what is it? I don't even, like... Do we even need the grass in here? Why not give him a bobblehead? Why, yeah, why not just he make a... He doesn't deserve a real bobblehead. He was head? an all-star last year. <laughs> he 
He gets a shit rock. John Farrell had him hitting second in the postseason. I, you know, that's for another time. I like hitting second. That's. I mean, I laugh at that. I like. I like Brock Holt, but he shouldn't be hitting second. I'm sorry. He shouldn't be hitting second. That's not why they lost. But he shouldn't be hitting second. And he's got a. He's got a pet Brock. He's got a. His bobblehead is not even. Doesn't even have his face or his body on it. This hair coming out of the helmet. This hair coming out of the back of the helmet. It's got his hair. It's got his helmet. It's got is it a helmet or a hat. It's got his hat and hair, and it's sitting on a ruck. It's the stupidest thing they have ever created down on Yankee Way, and yet it's somehow right in front of me right now, and it's about to go through the window. You want a ruck? You want a pet Brock through the window? This is about to happen. No, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. Um, you know, I, I would throw it through if Tom Brady sucked yesterday in Cleveland. That would be the... Then, not only would there be a pet Brock through the window, there would be broken microphones, there would be no more podcast. Um, this would be a disaster area in here today. I would, I would have broken everything. But I didn't because Tom Brady, it's the, it's the top NFL storyline. It's not just local. This is the top NFL storyline for Week 5. Tom Brady returns from the dumbest suspension in the history of sports, goes 28 of 40, Throws for 406 yards, throws three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked once, and he has a new best friend. And his new best friend's name is Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett is now a Patriot and is finding out just how great Tom Brady is. Um, Chris Hogan, 114 receiving yards. Rob Gronkowski, 109 receiving yards. Martellus Bennett, six catches. 67 receiving yards, three touchdowns for Martellus Bennett. So Tom Brady showed up in Cleveland, and he dominated, and uh, they take him out of the game, and they put Garoppolo in late. I love seeing that, too. I love seeing Garoppolo come in garbage time. And you get all these people, like, oh, trade Tom Brady. Garoppolo's the future. Shut the fuck up. You remember who the king is? Tom Brady's the king, the greatest of all time. I know it was Cleveland. I think I heard Boomer Esiason. Yes, after the game, he was like, well, you know, it is the Browns. He said it at halftime. He's like, you know, he's playing Cleveland. Yeah, we all know we all know who, the, who he's playing, right? We all know that the Browns are winless. They're the only winless team in the NFL uh, through five weeks. The Browns are 0-5. They're terrible. And, in fact, I had to look at the Cleveland Browns schedule today. And you know what I did? You know what I did? I went through the rest of the schedule, and I said, all right, ask yourself this question when you look at every game. Ready? Pete, you want to play a game? You like games? You want to play a game? Let's play a game. Um, ready? I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, she had some music for this uh, game. No, we don't want music. No music. This is not a good day for music. I do not want music. I want no music today. In fact, when we go back and edit this show, I want no intro music. I want to go right into it. I want right in. In fact, you can edit out the Beantown Athletics ad. Just cut it out. Because you, Tony's probably pissed that I just basically put a new price tag on the David Ortiz t-shirts. So he's probably not going to want that read in there anyways. So we'll cut it out. No music. We'll get right to the bullshit. We'll get right to these people who are hounding David Ortiz and they won't give him any space out on the mound. And we'll get right to the stupid pet rock, bubble rock, whatever the fuck it is in front of me. It's about to go through the window. Let's play a game with no music. I'm sorry. I, I, I know you don't. I know this is. I'm sorry. I just, I just want to apologize, okay? Let me just apologize first. 
and then we'll we'll get through the show. So I'm sorry, but here's what we're gonna do. Um, Pete, I got a question for you. Ready? Cleveland at Tennessee. Next their next game. Cleveland at Tennessee on October 16th. Does Cleveland win? No. Final answer. Cleveland at Cincinnati on October 23rd. Does Cleveland win? No. Final answer. Cleveland at home against the New York Jets on October 30th. Does Cleveland win? No. Cleveland at home against the Dallas Cowboys on November 6th. Hold on. At home? No. In in Cleveland. No. no, no. (laughs) Cleveland at Baltimore on November 10th. No. Cleveland at home versus the Steelers. No. Cleveland at home against the Giants. No. Cleveland at home against the Bengals. No. Cleveland in Buffalo on December 18th. Maybe. Cleveland at home (laughs) against San Diego. Maybe. Cleveland in Pittsburgh on New Year's Day. No. There's two maybes and a bunch of no's. Cleveland might go winless. They might not win a game. So I understand how bad the Browns are. Okay? And I didn't need to play that game for you to understand that. But you get the point. The Browns are bad. I just want to get that out of the way for all the people that say, well, Tom Brady threw for 400 yards, but he did it against Cleveland. Tough shit. It's the NFL. Tom Brady didn't pick who he was going to play in week five and beat the shit out of. It would have been anybody. would have been anybody. Okay? Threw for 400 yards. And it could have been worse. But maybe they took it easy on Cleveland at times. And uh, Tom Brady's back. Tom Brady's back. And now the Patriots, they host the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Patriots are early nine-and-a-half-point favorites in week six, and they will beat Kansas City. But that's the top story. Tom Brady returning with a vengeance. He's going to light the world on fire. And anybody who even had a thought about trading Tom Brady when you saw Garoppolo have, like, five-and-a-half decent quarters, um, you know, I, I, just, I just hope that you turn yourself in. That's what I hope you do. You turn yourself in. Because that you should get arrested for that. You should. It's, it's just blasphemy. That's what it is. And um, Brady's back. And I hope everybody understands and takes it easy. And sees that the Patriots are a team now that, all right, right below them, Buffalo. Buffalo's 1-3 straight. Buffalo's 3-2. and two, Fine. Patriots are 4-1. Patriots going to be just fine. In fact, they're probably the best team in all of football. Now, that brings me to my other top storyline, which is that there's only one undefeated team remaining. That's the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota whooped Houston 31-13. The Vikings are now 5-0, and they're the only undefeated team remaining because Philly fell to Detroit, and the Broncos lost at home to the now 4-1 Atlanta Falcons. Um, so Philly and the Broncos lose their first game and Minnesota wins and Minnesota's rolling and they're doing it without Adrian Peterson, which is impressive. So Minnesota's got a great defense, which we knew about. And Sam Bradford, he's making all the big throws in the big spots, something that I, you know, got to tip my cap to and, and acknowledge it because I knock Sam Bradford all the time. So I have to acknowledge when he's getting the job done and there's no question about it. Sam Bradford. Is proven so it's proven someone like me wrong right now because he's getting the job done in Minnesota. While at five and oh, they look like the best team in football, they're not because the Patriots are still Minnesota's doing something very impressive. Um, I didn't think the Broncos would lose at home to the Falcons. Obviously, you don't go with Simeon again, it's Paxton Lynch, and you know, Denver 
they're in an interesting spot now because the Broncos are actually playing Thursday night. And they begin week six with the Thursday night game in San Diego. The 4-1 and one Broncos against the 1-4 and four Chargers in San Diego. And the Broncos are a three-and-a-half point favorite in this one going in as a road team, which, okay. But, you know, at 4-1, and one, I would think maybe they'd even be a six-point favorite. That's how bad San Diego is. That's how bad you can't rely on San Diego. San Diego just lost to Oakland. Oakland's now 4-1. and one, So when you look at the standings and you see the AFC West, Boy, is it interesting. Oakland, a team that I told you, I told you was going to the playoffs this year. I jumped all over Oakland a year too early last year. I stuck with them this year, seeing they made the improvements. Here are the Raiders now 4-1. and one, um, And they've won three straight. Yeah, they beat San Diego, but Oakland's good, man. Keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on the Raiders. But uh, those are some of the top stories. So when you look at the teams you got to talk about outside of the other games, you know, Oakland, Atlanta, Atlanta's 4-0. How about the Dallas Cowboys? This is another team. you got to talk about them. They're 4-1. They're now in first place in the NFC East. And the most mind-boggling part of all this is that Jerry Jones has come out and said that when Tony Romo is ready to go, this is still his team. Meanwhile, the Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott era has begun. It's begun. I don't know how you could possibly pull the cord on that, that era. I don't know how you could do that for Tony Romo, a guy who has not won, okay? A guy you can't win. And a guy who continues to get hurt. You can lose your job to injury. Is it fair? Life isn't fair. But if you can't win in a certain place for an extended period of time, and you're proven to not be Mr. Clutch, and you're proven to not be someone who can win the big game, when you get hurt and a young kid comes up and actually gets the job done and doesn't get the job done with a 4-1 Cowboys team, he's the quarterback of a 4-1 Cowboys team who has thrown zero interceptions through five games. 4-1, four touchdown passes, zero interceptions. 1,239 yards passing, and he's got a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott who's lighting the world on fire. So what are we going to do if you're the Dallas Cowboys? You're really going to go back to Tony Romo? That would be the dumbest thing that they could do. You have to, you talk about pulling the plug on something, it shouldn't be on Dak Prescott, it should be on Tony Romo, okay? All right? And the most impressive thing to me is that he's thrown no interceptions, and they're 4-1. That tells you all you need to know, I think, about what Prescott is able to do with the Dallas Cowboys right now. I'm not trying to tell you that Dallas is going to win a Super Bowl this year. Not even trying to tell you that they're going to win their division because I don't know that they will. The Eagles are pretty damn good too. And you know what? As much as the Giants lost in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football 23-16, to and it was a push for me with the seven-point spread, taking the Giants plus seven, Giants are two and three, the bottom of their division. I mean, you can't rule out that at some point they're going to do some things and and move their way up the standings, right? Same thing with Washington. Washington, the Redskins have won three straight. They're three and two. So I'm not even saying Dallas is going to win their division. But what I am saying is that the smart thing to do as a Dallas Cowboys organization is to not go back to Tony Romo as the starting quarterback, at least not right now. If Romo's ready to go, he's the backup. And if Prescott has a couple awful games where you think maybe, 
I don't know, the wheels are coming off and other teams starting to figure them out because young kid making mis- young mistakes, well, then maybe you, maybe you go back to Romo. But as long as Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are running the show and keeping that team in first place in that division, or at least keeping them in that race, you got to stick with them. You, you, you stick with Prescott. That's what you got to do if you're Dallas. But um, that's where we stand after five weeks in the NFL. And I know this isn't really an NFL storyline, but Greg Hardy is going to pursue an MMA career. And I hope he gets the shit kicked out of him. That's enough. That's, I just hope somebody goes in there and beats him up real bad. And that's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like it happened to CM Punk. I wasn't wishing it on CM Punk. I'm wishing it on Greg Hardy. But I'm, I, I bring up the comparison because two guys who are inexperienced in MMA just picking it up one, just waking up one day saying, hey, I'm going to do MMA. Doesn't always work out the way you want it to. And I actually hope that it doesn't work out for Greg Hardy. And I hope he gets his ass kicked in that octagon. So, there's your storylines with regards to the National Football League. Um, So, it's good to have Brady back. It's terrible in the baseball world to have David Ortiz done. I will not ignore postseason baseball moving forward. I will still react to it. Again, my, my, my predictions for the Major League Baseball postseason, like some, some idiot on my Facebook commented. He's like, oh, you guaranteed the Red Sox win it, win game three. Why are radio hosts so wrong? I, you know, I didn't comment. Last time I commented on something, they emailed my boss, and I got in, you know, not in trouble, but it's like, hey, if you dish it out, you got to be able to take it too, right? If you're talking shit on social media, I don't always respond. In fact, 99% of the time, I don't respond. But, you know, if I do respond, don't be, you know, don't be a coward about it and go run into my boss and telling him what I said. Like, what the fuck is that? Was it the one you came in hot with? Was it, that? it was some lady commented oh, right. at like seven in the morning and was like, um, tone it down with the decibels or something, something stupid, like the dumbest comment you could ever make on social media. This was a legendary basically, response. This so. lady basically, you know, just basically admitting to everyone on social media that, that she's not very bright. And like, you're really going to come to me about decibel levels, first of all, second of all, why don't you tone it down with the Facebook messages at 7 in the fucking morning, okay? Like, why don't you tone it down with that? Why don't you get a life? Please. And, you know, the person who comments about my postseason guarantees, I never guaranteed the Red Sox would win. I just predicted they would. What I guaranteed, if you really wanted to pay attention, fuckface, is that I guaranteed the Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series, and guess what they're doing right now? They're stomping people out, Okay? So, if you really wanted to be accurate with your portrayal about things that I say, why don't you wake up? All right? Fuckface, wake up. I got this other idiot who keeps emailing me, too. He's like, oh, you gotta, my kids are listening to you, and you don't pronounce your G's. You say, you know, playing, coaching, uh, trending with the N. My kids listen to you. I'm a big fan, but I don't want my kids actually, you know, Learning to speak like this. First and foremost, buddy, if you're having your kids listen to me and the goal is to teach them a lesson, then you're even dumber than them. Okay? Send them to school. I'm not a fucking English professor, nor do I claim to be. Ever. 
and nor will I ever be, okay? It's called entertainment, right? That's what we do. It's called sports talk, podcasting, radio, whatever it is. Um, this guy keeps emailing me, too. It's like, dude, get a fucking life, okay? And I said fucking life with an N, not a G. So get over it, move on, and if you don't want to listen anymore, good, don't listen. Like, I give a shit, all right? Like, I give a shit. But if you want to come and put words in my mouth and say, I guarantee the Red Sox win, that's, that's not true. I didn't. I didn't. I actually guaranteed the Blue Jays win the World Series, and guess what they're doing? They're alive and well. And I think they will. I think I'll be right. And if I'm wrong, then you can come at me. But I told you that the Red Sox were going to lose to the Blue Jays. Well, they lost the series earlier. You know why they lost? Because they couldn't pitch. And you know I'm going to hear it tonight on the radio. People are like, oh, fire Farrell, do this. Do-. How about you pitch for Farrell? Like, people say, oh, Terry Francona played his cards right. He brought in Andrew Miller early in game one. He did this. He brought in Andrew Miller in game three. Oh, he did that. All right. What happens in game one if he brings in Andrew Miller early and Andrew Miller shits to bed? What are people going to say then? Like, oh, Tito went, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have. Andrew Miller, he never comes. You know, he doesn't do that. Andrew Miller was a closer. He was a release. He's late in games. You put him in for the, you know, for the setup, man, or for the save. He put him in a role he wasn't used to. He, he tried to get nuts. That's on the manager. Is it? Or is it on the pitcher for not performing? But instead, Andrew Miller goes out, is dominant in an unusual spot, for a, uh, right? And what happens? The manager gets all this crazy credit. People in this town are like, oh, Tito, oh, what a manager. Hey, Joey T-shirt's back there doing it this morning. You know, I and I try to explain it to him. I'm like, wait a minute. If Andrew Miller comes into game one in that unusual spot, unorthodox, and shits to bed, people are going to be knocking Tito. You know what I mean? Like, so it's all about the performance. That's what it's all about. And the Red Sox, when it comes to pitching and performing on the mound, they couldn't do it. And until they can find a way to do it, especially in the postseason, they're not going to win again. So it's time to evaluate the pitching staff. That's what the Red Sox need to do. Right? That's what they need to do. Because without David Ortiz next year, they're not going to put up all the runs they put up this year. They won't. They're not going to do it. So you need to pitch even better next year. So we'll see what they do. There's a lot of time to break it down. There's a lot of time for me to go settle down, take a couple deep breaths, maybe go take a nap before the show tonight on WEI. Maybe, you know, take a couple days off after that and just sort of take a walk out Castle Island. I get it. I understand. I think I'll do that. I'll take your advice. You haven't really advised me to do that, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to take a walk. All right? Out Castle Island tomorrow, day after that, and I'll be back here on Friday. Every Monday and Friday, even though this is a Tuesday because of the holiday. Though, one other note, Pete, real quick before I wrap things up. Um, the NHL season begins this week. The Bruins season begins Thursday night. They got a three-game road trip, starting with Col- in Columbus, then Toronto, then in Winnipeg. How about that trip? Columbus, Toronto, and Winnipeg. Um, in case you were wondering, the favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year? As the NHL season begins this week, the favorites, 
You got any guesses, Pete, as to who the favorite to win the Stanley Cup this year might be? I'm going to say not the Bruins. Definitely not the Bruins. <laughs> Definitely not the Bruins. It's the Chicago Blackhawks. Really, not much of a surprise there. The Blackhawks' favorites to win the Cup. And uh, if they were the team hoisting the Cup at the end of the season, would anybody be surprised? I don't think so. So we got some regular season hockey, and you know what? I'm working on some special hockey stuff on this show uh, with some potential plays. So stay tuned for that. Even NBA stuff, too. Working on some NBA stuff, too. Got some NBA stuff in the mix. And don't forget, Friday, that we will have a fantasy segment, weekly fantasy conversation with Rob Gomes. He won the Millionaire Maker. He's a millionaire. He doesn't win a million every week, but he wins like 2,000 every week, and he's unhappy with it because he thinks he should win more. And, you know, that's it's tough to see someone react that way as I cash in my coins, my coins at Coinstop, right, when I lose. But He's given good advice, and in fact, I've had people come to me the last couple of weeks and say, "Hey, I'm in the money." And Pete, you're one of them. Yes, you I listen. Won, I won two fifty last two hundred fifty dollars, and you sat here and listened to Rob Gomes and took as his you advice. guys talk, I just sit here and enter lineups, so I and, take advantage. And, right, and then it worked and there. out. So oh, yeah. you should listen to Rob Gomes. Will join me in studio on Friday, and we will have our weekly fantasy football. I I say weekly fantasy football, but it really is DFS daily fantasy football. But we do it every week. And every Friday. Oh, I forgot to give you my... I gave you my results, Picks Picks. Did I do that? No, I didn't. Sorry. I'm a, It's just... I forgot. Because it was such a bad week, I think... I just wanted to forget. I, the only game I got right was the Patriots minus 11. I got Dallas minus 5, Ron. I got Cincinnati minus 2, Ron. I got Oakland minus 3.5, Ron. No, Oakland won. They just won by 3. They didn't cover. And Giants is a push. I put, took Giants plus seven. So I went one, three, and one. So I'm eight, 16, and one on the season. I will bounce back in week six. So I'll have my picks on Friday for week six. Picks, picks, five games with the spread every Friday. Uh, get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, any other podcast spots that you know about that I don't. This show is probably there. Anywhere podcasts are available, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. And uh, next time you see David Ortiz, you know, you got a camera, give him some space. Give the guy some space, huh? I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. I'm never going to get over. Just I just wanted to see him. You know, give him an open space. Like, did they have to close the circle? You know what I mean? Like, the circle closed on him. How, there's no way he was happy about that. I wasn't happy about it. He was crying, probably because his career was ending. So was I. Um, but there was probably a tear or two that came down because he realized that uh, they wouldn't give him any space out there. And all I wanted to do was see Big Poppy get his get his moment. He kind of did, but I think all the cameramen surrounding him took away from that moment. But David Ortiz, great career. And I'll just leave you with this one stat, right? Because I'm... That's what I'm doing. I'm just like looking at David Ortiz's stats. World Series, three World Series for Big Poppy. You people say people who even want to have an argument that David Ortiz isn't like the best player that's ever come across the the Red Sox organization. You gotta look up this this stat, or at least I'll give it to you. Three World Series, David Ortiz, batting average. You know what it is? Four fifty. An OPS in the World Series of 1.372.
Um, David Ortiz, in my opinion, was the best, the best to ever put on a Red Sox uniform. And you know why? Because of that stat I just gave you. You talk about clutch stats, this, that, the other thing. There's no more clutch than showing up when it matters the most. And when it matters the most in this town, it's always been about championships. It's always been about the World Series. It's something they never were able to get until 2004, at least for an 86-year stretch. And Big Poppy took the team on his back, and he won them the World Series in 04. They won another one in 07. He won it in 2013 and was the fucking MVP. And he's got a World Series batting average of 455. And he's not the best player that the organization's ever seen? You're out of your fucking mind if you believe otherwise. I'm sorry. He's the best player that to ever put on a Red Sox uniform. And he's gone because Coco Crisp hit a two-run home run off of Drew Pomeranz. The Red Sox need to learn how to pitch. And until they do, just going to keep losing. I'm out. Talk to you Friday.